Pep Talk, a podcast for people who suck at optimism. My name is Jade Lanier, and welcome to the third episode. I have continued to be on the struggle bus this month, but I just gotta get things back together, so. Today we're gonna talk about intuition, we're gonna talk about family, we're gonna talk about my amazing friend Quatzine, who recently graduated and had an incredible journey to getting there. Um, So we got a lot of good stuff today. Just to let everyone know, I have started a project on Instagram that you can feel free and interact with if you so choose. Uh, my Instagram name is at Jade Lanier, so uh, you can find that in, in the description today. But basically the project is hashtagged by KnowThisPsychosis, as I was having a conversation with a friend a while ago, about how psychotic mental illness and more severe types of mental illness really aren't like prominent in terms of the discussion in the popular sense about mental health, wellness, mental illness, those types of things. I would say like things like I would say things like anxiety and depression are probably the majority of what I hear people uh, discussing, which you know definitely deserve their attention. But um, folks with with other types of mental illness uh, could benefit from more of that spotlight being shown on them. So I decided to do I decided to do a um, just project on Instagram of like depicting and talking about different psychotic delusions that I've had. Um, they've been really fun so far. And yeah, I would love to see if anyone else wants to participate and sort of get a conversation going. So, that's that. This time on The Little Things. I had a deep-ass conversation with my brother on Mother's Day that was really surprising. Um, We talked about our relationship, and I went to, like, apologize for something, and he basically said, well, you know, we were kind of dickheads. It's fine. Like, don't worry about it. I mean, he doesn't curse, but you, you get the gist. It was just like... It was a really cool forgiveness moment for me because my brother and I have not been close since we were, like, little. So, it was nice. One of my friends from a queer artist group that I'm, like, a coordinator of brought all of us at the meeting, or, like, social event, whatever we did, flowers on May Day, which is May 1st, just because, like, she's a fucking breath of fresh air, to be honest with you, like... So, Brandy, shout out to you. (laughs) She's just, like, a great person, too. Like, a great friend, really talented writer, and just, like, I don't know. I just feel lucky to have her as a friend. My last thing for the little things is that I've been starting to work on a memoir. And it is, like, excavating my soul, to be honest with you. Like, I'm digging up all these memories and all these experiences and stories, and it's, like really healing and it's like a lot of processing and it just feels very satisfying to write about some of these things and just like make something beautiful out of them so eventually that'll be a thing in the world but uh (laughs) I think I'm still trying to figure out you know the direction it'll take so this time on sometimes the world doesn't suck One article I read from Positive.News was about economics, and it was really encouraging for me. It really relieved my anxiety a little bit. 
Because basically they found that despite Trump being, like, the worst thing for the planet since, like, you know, gasoline or something, um, a lot of companies are choosing to reduce their carbon emissions. So it just makes me feel really encouraged that, like, you know, our individual actions, our collective actions matter and can make a difference. We don't want the world to become, you know, one giant death valley, so it's like... I'm I'm really grateful for the people that choose to recycle. I mean, that's basic, but like, you know, use alternative fuels and products and and more eco-friendly things altogether. It just I don't know. It makes me feel like the world sucks a little less. <laughs> so something I co- didn't completely realize until recently is that I have like an imaginary squad in my mind of like people I want to be friends with. And there's, like, one of them, which centers around, like, Kid Fury and Crystal and, like, a bunch of folks sort of, like, in black New York creative circles. And then there's this other one that's, like, white mamas that do, like, really deep stuff. (laughs) I mean, they're not all moms and they're not all, like, I don't know, whatever. But it's just, like, you know, Brene Brown and, like, Cheryl Strait and, like, a bunch of these really cool thinkers and writers and artists and stuff, um, and they have an organization that they all collaborate on, um, it's called the CompassionCollective.org, and the cool thing about them is that they only accept donations that are $25 or less, so there's no, like, millionaires in there, it's just, like, regular-ass people being like, I can afford $5, I can afford 7 <laughs> you know? And that just feels so gratifying. And they've raised, like, millions of dollars to help people in Aleppo, um, to help, I want to say, homeless veterans in the United States. Um, And I just thought, like, you know, it's just badass that just, like, a bunch of cool people just decided to be like, you know what? This sucks. Let's let's change some some shit. (laughs) Let's let's all just, like, you know, change some shit change. You know what, fuck it. I'm moving on. Um, sidebar from that is that one of the people, in fact the founder of the Compassion Collective, Glennon Doyle Melton, became Glennon Doyle Wombatch. I don't know how to say her new last name. And she married Abby Wombatch. And then on Instagram, Abby had a sweatshirt that said Christian Mommy Blogger's Wife. And it was just the best thing on the internet. Like, it just made me so happy. Like, I don't know. I'm just happy that they exist. So, <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, um, the next thing on the agenda is to talk about Quatzin and Quatzin's amazing, amazing resilience and passion and perseverance and just, you know, all these wonderful things um, that Quatzin is all about. Today we're featuring an interview with my friend Quatzin, Ashley Cruz who has recently graduated from college. But I just wanted to take a moment to commemorate this, to celebrate it, to call out this indigenous excellence, because um, Quatzin is someone that really inspires me on a day-to-day basis and, like, has provided so much insight and inspiration for me that, like, I don't know. I just have to shine a light on that as much as I can. So, Quatzin... Want to introduce yourself? Talk a little bit about Hi. what you've been up to. 
After nine long years, I have finally graduated from university, um, Cal State Dominguez Hills here in Carson, California. Um, I graduated with a BA in Africana Studies. So I transferred from Riverside City College um, where I met Jade and uh, I got an AA in history. I wanted to just give up so many times. Um, once after I transferred, um, in 2014, I transferred 2014, mm -hmm. um, I was granted the, a Cal grant. And so for the first time ever, I wouldn't have to pay, um, everything out of pocket. I, I got some financial support. So for um, our audience who isn't familiar with your background can you explain yeah, why that's absolutely. significant um so i'm undocumented um and for those of you who don't know what undocumented means um that um is a condition here in the united states where um folks who migrate don't have the paperwork um to like uh be in this country so the legal as some would say the legal paperwork or documentation to be present in this country. Mm -hmm. um, and so because of that, um, a lot of like access to things, access to education, access to healthcare, access to government help, um, access to basic needs sometimes um, is denied. Once I transferred to Dominguez, um, having more leisure time allowed me to dedicate myself to my study time, it, it gave me like a college experience that I never thought that I would get as an undocumented person and also helped me um, engage in like healing with like my mental health, uh, which was very important to me. It feels really nice to see what I am capable of accomplishing. And I don't think enough of us give ourselves credit for being strong and for being resilient. What was your mental health journey like through your college experience? Mm -hmm. I think that one of the things I didn't realize then that I realize now is that I've always used education as a way to cope with the trauma that I've dealt with. And at about 21, I, it all, like, hit me. Like, I had just experienced, like, loss in the family. I had just pressed charges on my perpetrator. And it was a, uh, the fall of, I believe, 2012 that... All of the weight that I had been dismissing, like, fell on top of, like, my being. And I felt very lost. And so my mental health journey in college has, college has, like, helped my mental health journey because it also gave me access to, like, a therapist. Many folks aren't able to seek therapy because it's expensive. Right. Um, so that's regardless of status. Now you put on an undocumented status, um, and some folks are 
you know, shit out of luck because it's <laughs> unless, you know, like, so unless, like, you know someone that knows someone. So I believe that when, when one person heals, the people around them begin to heal as well or begin in the healing process. Totally. And my mom, she saw, like, how much therapy worked for me and how even though I was going through like deep depression and having anxiety attack and panic attacks and PTSD she was still able to see like the benefits too um and so she started seeking mental health um or mental health services and because she's undocumented she had to uh figure it out and so she started seeing or not seeing she started speaking with a therapist on the phone from Mexico so they're a psychiatrist in Mexico that she was able to speak through uh, either through Facebook, like not live, but like through um, webcams or through the phone. So we're the future, and so, man. Yeah. And so like seeing how like resourceful and documented people are when they know that these these tools are available to them is just beautiful too, you know? Right. Absolutely. Um, What's up? Is it absolutely? I mean, I think that resourcefulness sometimes conquers resources. You know, it's yeah. like a really essential survival skill. Yeah. And so, for me, um, my mental health journey has been intertwined with like my educational journey. People like me are not welcomed in these institutions and we have constantly whether it be my indigenous identity whether it's lgbtqia you know being uh well specifically being trans um whether it's um me being mexican right like all of these um different layers to my identity like this this institution was not made for me like I, i didn't think that i had what it took to complete education because of my depression episodes and because of my the PTSD that I started having the last year before I graduated Mm -hmm. um yeah just thinking like damn if it wasn't for school then I probably wouldn't have known about those um those services that are very important to like survival I think it was about survival too I wanted to live because for so long I didn't want to live Right. So, Quatzin, um, for you, you have had many different experiences throughout college, and your mental health has been a key component in your success. And so I guess I'm interested in uh, if you have any insights for people listening that may share something in common with you, or even just reflections on your journey in terms of, like, what it was like to get to this point. Yeah, I think that um, the main one, the main, my mantra throughout this whole process has been like, this is only temporary. Whether Mm -hmm. it was a semester or whether it was a depression episode, whether it was a panic attack, I kept, I always thought to myself, this is only temporary this is only temporary so that helped me ground myself um so that i can continue to like do what i was doing 
to that so that I can get to my like end goal, whether it was you know breathe <laughs> mm. or or um, study for this final or her like when I worked at Jack in the Box for six years, <laughs> thinking like this is only temporary. I do not have to stay here, you know. Um, I remember that job. That was, that was oh my God, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that job was brutal. <laughs> um, so I think that that's one of the one of my major takeaways from from my experience, um, and also as far as like being undocumented, I think it's just remembering that. It is okay to have the audacity to believe that I too have the right to education, to get health, and to like ultimately to live, you know? Yes, oh my god, I'm gonna cry right now. <laughs> yeah. Preach. <laughs> <laughs> um, so at this moment, um, you graduated on Friday or Saturday? Friday, April, April, <laughs> Friday, <laughs> May 19th at 4 p.m. at the Stub Hub Center. <laughs> That's great. Um, so I guess as like we wrap up this interview, I would like to know what's going on, you know, like, what was that like? How are you feeling? Um, is it surreal? Is it like, huh? business as usual you know like what's what's up with you right now I you know I would like to say that it's business as usual but I just have this like glow to me that I'm so excited because I I did something that I didn't think I would do I I, I stayed in there but I like feel like I bullshitted the whole process <laughs> like <laughs> But to finally be I was done is like, not wow. anything. You're fine. <laughs> <laughs> it just feels, it just feels so surreal. Like this feeling of just like joy, mm, like immense joy. And granted, like a, a piece of paper is, should not bring me so much joy, but it's not about the paper. It's not about this document. It's about all of these like, obstacles and the, the continuous struggle you know and being able to like get at be at the end of and, and look back and be like i did that yeah you're yeah. by far one of the most resilient people that i know honestly mm. like that like i was saying in the intro you really truly inspire me on a day-to-day -day basis and i remember you telling me stories about like actual haters of people telling you that this yeah. wasn't possible because of your status or this wasn't possible because yeah. of this, that, and the third. And here you are. And, like, right. it didn't necessarily happen in, you know, a picture-perfect package the way that we would all hope. But, like, you did that, you know? Mm-hmm. And I feel like I got the college experience I always dreamed of. You know, I yeah. think that's what I was afraid of as a child was, I'm not going to get this experience. And I still managed to get that experience sometimes, like, Plus way more than than what I had imagined, you know? So take that, Miss Hancock. <laughs> <laughs> Ninth grade avid teacher who said I shouldn't go to college. Yeah. I mean... I've been waiting nine years to say that. <laughs> <laughs> please do, please do. So 
send her an email and then I'll put it I'll put it up on the blog or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah. so proud of you and thank um, you. I am so excited to see what opportunities open up for you and like just what's next, you know, because I don't know, like like I I I just keep coming back to that resilience aspect. I mean, so many people with one out of the numerous factors that you've had to deal with thrown your way from financial to relationships to friendships to you know academic stuff to mental health to undocumented stuff like just so many different things like so many people would just be like fuck that (laughs) i'm gonna go you know do something else but you have doggedly like pursued this thing yeah i just had to take a moment to celebrate this because you have been an inspiration since we met I love you. <laughs> I love you. So thank you thank so you much for, for coming on the pet talk. And thank you. Listeners, if you're interested in Quatsin or in any of his uh, endeavors, I can put his social handles into the description. So be on the lookout for that. Yes. Thank you, Thanks for listening, folks. This time on Science Says. This week's topic is intuition. So I've been on a little journey myself about intuition because I find it very difficult to listen to my inner um, impressions, I would say. Like, I'm much more focused on what other people around me are thinking and doing and saying, and I'm thinking about I'm three steps ahead of the process, you know what I mean? Like, I'm, I kind of struggle to be present and also to check in with myself, like, in the presence of other people. So, it's been something I've been actively thinking about in the sense of, I think over time what I've realized is that, like, listening to my intuition often saves me a lot of pain, Um, whether that be from professional opportunities, from dating, from, um, yeah, I mean, it 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 plays a really big factor in decision-making, I think. Uh, And I think that ignoring my intuition oftentimes can result in situations that I didn't really want to be in from the beginning. Let's talk about defining intuition, because that's probably a good place to start. Intuition is based in the reptilian brain, which is older than, like, your frontal cortex, your prefrontal cortex, all those things. It's, like, in the back of your head. And it operates quickly and without conscious thought. So, you know... It's very directly related to memory and emotion, um, past experiences, environmental information, potential threats it detects, and it gives a more intuitive, instinctive answer. The frontal cortex is going to give you uh, answers that have a lot more to do with ration and reason and information, and context, and those types of things, but it's not going to be particularly informed by your personal experience. These two different types of reasoning are useful for different purposes. In a study from the National Institute of Health, they gave participants two decks of cards to try and play a game where they, where the objective is to win as much money as possible. One deck had big wins and big losses, and the other only had small wins and almost no losses. What they found is really interesting. It took the players as much as 80 cards to explain the difference between the two decks. 
it took them 50 cards to have a hypothesis or a hunch about it, but only 10 cards to show physiological signs of awareness of the risky deck and favoritism towards the safer one. What they interpreted that to mean is that paying attention to your body, paying attention to your instinct, can often lead you to correct answers. And intuition often circumvents the slower, more sophisticated rational brain. Jonathan Haidt, associate professor of psychology at the University of Virginia and author of The Happiness Hypothesis, he says that intuition is often like making a judgment about something based on appearance. Like, we can look at something and instantly know whether it's beautiful or not to us, but we don't really know why. The rational mind... <laughs> this quote from him was really amazing. The rational mind is like a press secretary that spins reasons for intuitive moral decisions, which I thought was really interesting, because I think that that's often how it works for me, in the sense that I often have an intuition about something, and then if I decide to go with that intuition, like, I use my logical brain to rationalize why that's the right choice, even if other people might not see it that way. <laughs> um, Terry Burnham, the author of Mean Markets and Lizard Brains, uh, talked a lot about uh, the stock market. Basically came to a conclusion that intuition is beneficial for decisions that involve subjectivity. So they have some sort of emotional impact. They have some sort of pleasure element. Things that are more uh, objective, where you're trying to obtain a specific outcome, such as, you know, the stock market, it's not particularly advantageous to, to make a decision based on intuition in that case, because it could easily be wrong. One thing that was really interesting is that a study of car buyers found that following intuition leads to more satisfying choices 60% of the time compared to decisions made using information where people were satisfied only 25% of the time. Following intuition has also been shown to create better outcomes in major life decisions such as choosing a partner or buying a home. All in all, I think that intuition is helpful as, like, another source of information. I think that intuition also tends to sound more clear because you either have an intuitive feeling or you don't. And, um, yeah, I think it's a really interesting topic. There's so much more research out there about it uh, that I don't really have time to cover, but um, I encourage everyone to just, like, stroll through psychology today. <laughs> and uh, find out more about this stuff because it's really interesting. Pick-me-ups. So one pick-me-up that I use all the time <laughs> I call a scratch pad. And a scratch pad is a uh, document online where I rant and rave about things that upset me <laughs> or things that make me anxious or um, just things that like cause me stress in some way or another. I started doing this partially because <laughs> I found that like rereading my journal was really depressing because it was like, this person sucks and this sucks and you suck and I suck. And I was like, damn, like chill out, man. So I was like, I need a place to put these negative thoughts that's not like, you know, Facebook. <laughs> um, 
so that I can express myself without having to, like, remember all of this. Um, so basically what I personally do is a Google document where uh, it just says scratch pad on the top and then I just write, you know, whatever's on my mind, whatever I'm feeling anxious about. I try to do, like, 20 minutes or so to really get in there and, like, excavate, you know, my issues. Use that word the second time in this podcast. Uh, <laughs> and I don't know. I think it just helps me to feel more clear about what it is that I'm actually upset about. Because I think oftentimes in my head things sound much worse than they are or much more confusing than they are. And I think when I write it down I'm able to like examine it. I'm like, oh, it's like actually three things that I really need to work on rather than like... 10 things that, you know, I have to fix immediately. So I found that really helpful. The next one is um, called a self-soothing box. So I haven't completely finished this, but I'm really enjoying it already. And basically it's a technique rooted in DBT. I think that's dialectical behavioral therapy. And it's to create um, like a box or a kit of stuff that makes you feel more calm. So that could be pictures of people that you really love and that you enjoy. Um, it could be like hard candy, it could be silly putty, it could be a coloring book, like you could have a whole bunch of stuff in there. And it's all just like a toolkit, you know, like a utility belt almost of like, this is the stuff that is going to diffuse my like upsetness. I find that this stuff is really helpful for me. Like, for example, I have um, an inspirational playlist. <laughs> it's kind of embarrassing based on what's on it, but that's beside the point. Um, you know, I have a bunch of lifesavers and caramel hard candies. Um, I don't know. I need to. I need to expand it further because I think that I want it to be like a real thing that I use on a day to day basis. But yeah, I just, I'm interested to see if any of my listeners would be, um, are interested in creating a self-soothing box because I think that it's just like a really good resource for, you know, you get into an argument with your partner and like you really want comfort, but like nobody else is around and this person is pissed off at you. Like, you know, having a little hard candy and like doing some coloring, it might actually help you to feel better and like you know, think more clearly about whatever the issue really is. Um, mindfulness is a big aspect of sensory self-soothing, which is what this is. Uh, and I really enjoy mindfulness personally. Um, so some of the suggestions that they have on this site that I'm going to link to say um, photos of favorite people, postcards of happy memories, or somewhere you want to go in the future. A small print of artwork, affirmation cards, art supplies, glitter jar, funny pictures, a fidget toy, puff balls or pom-poms, worry stone or inspiration stone, different types of fabric that you can touch, lotion, uh, feathers, stuff to do your nails, rubber bands, magnet toys, as far as sounds, you could do nature sounds, you could do a white noise track, you could have sour candy, mints, gum, 
uh, your favorite tea, something crunchy, perfumes, candles, essential oils, incense sticks. Like you could have a whole bunch of things depending on what works for you and what is comforting to you. So yeah, I hope people can try that. The last one that I'm highlighting today is uh, a recipe from somethingswanky.com and it's a peanut butter chocolate lava mug cake and honestly it's like the greatest thing since sliced bread. I basically have adapted this recipe a bunch of times to make different things like like a banana cake or whatever. It's a pretty simple formula once I figure it out. Um, and basically what it is, it's like a chocolate cake with um, melted chocolate and peanut butter in the middle of it and it's like in a mug. So it's like really simple, takes like a minute, you know, minute and a half maybe if you're, you know, thorough about things. <laughs> um, and, you know, the ingredients are like stuff that most people have at home. It's like butter, milk, sugar, flour, cocoa powder, baking powder, salt, uh, chocolate, peanut butter, and optional scoop of ice cream. I am happy to pass it along to you, my dear listeners, who may benefit from a pick-me-up like that. When I was 19 or 20 years old and recently diagnosed with bipolar disorder, I had had a couple of episodes after my initial really huge one that rocked my confidence to handle adult life. I was afraid to transfer to a university again because I'd have to leave home, and I wasn't sure if I could handle myself well. I was frustrated and full of doubt that any of my efforts would even make a difference in getting to where I wanted to be, comparing myself to other people my age who were further along in various ways than I was. My mom said something simple and profound. Recovery makes the resume possible. My reminder to all of us is that the ways we choose to practice self-care and put ourselves first make all our dreams, desires, and hopes more tangible by preparing us to meet them. We are only able to be resilient in life when we have taken the time to recharge. Some of my most expensive mistakes in life have come from trying to hold it together and power through. I was talking with a friend who also has bipolar disorder the other night about the stigma against hospitalization and how it makes it harder for people to admit they need help. I said to him, trying to power through the end of the, a semester when you're breaking down can end up being a much more expensive choice than taking a weekend or even a week to get inpatient care. Because the crash and burn can cost you financially, relationally, professionally, academically, and so on. So much more than your time and the $100 copay or whatever it is if you have insurance. Not everyone has the resources and access to everything they need, so I absolutely acknowledge that. I encourage everyone to care for themselves in the ways that they have access to, so that their resumes and relationships and aspirations can be more possible because you are prepared to face them. You, your life, your time are the most precious resource you have, and it is a very expensive mistake to spend yourself without breaks or care or recharging because recovery makes the resume possible all right dear listeners that was the end of the third episode it's coming a little late because life but I'm trying to be on time y'all <laughs> please subscribe rate and review 
the pep talk on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. It really helps the show. All the social media and website and everything is in the show notes. This intro was written, hosted, and produced by me, Jade Lanier. Tritakyan composed our theme music. Friendly reminder that getting your shit together is a continuous process and that success is a moving target. Be kind to yourself in the meantime. This was the pep talk. Talk to you later.